The statements expressed in the following program are those of the speaker. They do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of the sponsor, the host, and or Olas Media. Olas Media. Olas Media presents Reason 55. Alright fam, it's your boy Steph B back here, Reason 55. Thank you for joining us. Today is my man Bill Wong. He is a a mentor, a leader, a friend. And I think that when you hear his story, when you hear the 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 passion, you will be inspired, you will be motivated, and and you'll have an action plan to move forward on, on the things you care about. So, hey, let's sit back, chill at the porch with my man, Bill Wong. Olas Media presents Reason 55. All right, fam. Today, my man, Bill Wong. Bill, <laughs> thank you for being here, man. Thank you. Bill, how about this? Because uh, we're going to get into a lot of things that people may not have the context for uh, a, uh, other than reading the book. So how about this? How about you give them a little bit of flavor uh, of who you are, what you know where what you've done and what what you're engaged in right now how about that absolutely thanks for the introduction opportunity to talk about it so i me and my family immigrated here in 1966 so we're all immigrants we ended up in a rural community where there was not a lot of diversity we grew up relatively poor um but uh my entire family benefited from public services and public education and the generosity of government and their belief that individuals like my family could have a positive impact on society and or contributing citizens to America. And they, they all have, they, they either have taught or served in civil service um, or contributed as, as entrepreneurs to this world. And, but there were a lot of unresolved issues with regard to racism and, and economic disparities that I brought with me to college. So in college, I was a, a, a campus radical and I was involved in student activism and ethnic studies and learning about the history of the, the ethnic disparities that are out there. And then um, I, I was lucky enough to get an internship that, that got me introduced to politics. And I learned that politics was a great equalizer, that people who didn't have power, who didn't have maybe the best education or didn't have wealth could really use politics as a way to create equity and justice when the system was broken. And so I started a 30 year journey of learning those skills and understanding of the system so that I could help people. Um, I, Interestingly enough, I never in my entire career wanted to be a specific title. Like I didn't want to be a chief of staff. I didn't want to be a political director. Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, have those type of aspirations. What mm -hmm. I did have and what was my anchor was that I wanted to be at some point in my life able to solve anybody's problem with five phone calls. 
So that started this journey of learning about how everything worked, learning as many different people, meeting as many different people as I possibly could, who all had information or knowledge or wisdom or perspective that if somebody came to me with a problem, I would know exactly who to call and then they could point that person or me in the right direction so that we could solve these problems. And I've always been a fixer in that perspective. So that led to a 30-year career as, as a a staffer in the legislature, as a lobbyist, as a political consultant, using all those types of skills. And then when I retired, I really wanted to pass on those skills because I felt that the world was in an inflection point of wanting to have change, but really not knowing how. So I wanted to leave a remnant, some type of curation of a game plan of how that could be done using things that we know historically have uh, led to strategic successes in cases where you're up against the odds. Wow. Brother, <laughs> that is a wealth of knowledge, insight, and inspiration. Bill, thank you, brother. Man, it looks, trying to figure out where to start a conversation with you, number one, it's, it's always been easy because there's so many things that, that see, we seem to cross paths on. Um, but you, you, obviously the first thing, man, is this. Come on, bro. You go, <laughs> we got to talk about this. Yeah. I, I, I told you the first day it was available. I jumped on it and you said it was an easy read. I agree with you 100%, but it was also. It's not just easy, man. It, it It is absolutely compelling. And so my first question about better to win is, yeah, I guess I should have said what I was holding up <laughs> for everybody. We're, we're going to start with Bill's latest book, Better to Win, and it, Hardball Lessons in Leadership, Influence, and the Craft of politics. Okay, dude, I gotta know, because I took from it something different than purely politics. Is that an, in was, is that intentional that it's not just about politics? Absolutely. Uh, first, Stefan, thanks for being a great friend and having me on the show. It's always fun having conversations with you over sushi and, and talking about big ideas and um, you know, the fate of the universe a lot of the time. So yeah, the right. book is about things bigger than politics. I mean, politics is kind of the interconnective tissue and the, the, um, environment, which I'm telling the stories, but definitely it's about leadership. It's about courage. It's about character. It's about all those things that make humanity great, but in an era where we're not feeling so great. Wow. Okay. I wasn't wrong. What is it? From the outside looking in, politics, the legislature, it all seems so complex and, 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 and even overwhelming. Do you believe that the general public's perception is that that is complex? Yeah, and it's getting more complex. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, and I'm sure when you were growing up, we had three TV stations and, you know, a newspaper. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Now you have social media, you got, cable TV, you've got YouTube, um, you've got 
so many changes when we were growing up. A legislator would be having served for 30 years in the state Senate or mm. the state assembly or Congress. And they really knew how to get things done and get around and, and, and do things. They knew their constituencies. But now because we have so many changes with regard to term limits and shorter terms and redistricting, uh, it's very hard for the public to know if they've got a pothole or if they're having a problem with a government agency, who they're supposed to call. I, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. I don't even know. <laughs> well, okay. Is, do you believe that that complexity is a design? Is it an, is it intentional or, or, or is it just some, you know, something that's happening organically that just nobody is aware of i think it's a combination i think one it's you know i i think that they're that that people evolve and they change but now we don't have any brakes so we're we're on a boat that has no brakes so it's a lot easier before if i had an opinion i'd have to get it into a newspaper or i'd have to go to the tv station now i just get on twitter and, and fire away and it's a lot easier for people to to share their opinions, share their perspectives. It's a lot easier to say something that you're going to regret later. Uh, <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you had an idea, you know, it, it took a couple of steps and you might have had two seconds to think, well, maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. I mean, I, you know, yeah. we always joke about uh, or at least I always joke to you about, you know, me having to think about twice before I say something in response to something my wife asks. And there are many times where I have to take a beat before uh, it comes out of my mouth. Otherwise, I'll be regretting it for quite a long time. You're not in that boat by yourself, brother. <laughs> I, I actually did it this morning, and, and I don't know that I took that beat. <laughs> in your opinion, minority communities, what's the importance of being aware and engaged in politics? You know, I wrote the book specific to that question because I think that there are a lot of people of color who are very engaged and very angry, rightfully so, with what's going on in the world. But the interesting thing, and I guess we're kind of bridge generation, is that uh, I learned from a generation where that type of rage and that type of anger and um, attitude toward injustice manifested in a far more robust organizing effort. It wasn't just the uh, the, the march at Edmund Pettus Bridge. It was much more. It was about getting people elected to office. It's about you know sending people to law school. It's about getting people into public policy positions. It was far more robust. And I think that because of the way our environment is now, people feel satisfied with just um, tweeting about something um, it's what we call slacktivism, where you can go out there and scream at the world and hope something changes, but you don't have any of the mechanics. You don't have any of the infrastructure that is actually following through. Because if everybody that you are yelling at has a vested interest in keeping the system the same, what mm. makes you think that they're going to change anything just by you yelling at them or showing up at their doorstep? Wow. Then how do you convince people? Did that just, you know, night or 120 <laughs> word character or whatever it is now, if it's unlimited, even if it's unlimited, how do you convince them that that's not enough? I mean, is it that the house has to fall on them first? 
Uh, it could be that, but you also have to convince enough of them that there's an alternate way, which is why I wrote the mm. book, is to show from soup to nuts how you can actually have some impact. And to a certain extent, the people that are on Twitter are just doing it for attention or for the most part, and they don't really want to put in the work, and that's not bad on them, but people have to decide what their capacity is. But I'm hoping that there'll be some people who are really committed that read the book and say, hey, maybe we can figure out this puzzle and work behind the scenes and not spend so much time trying to be famous, but spend all of our time trying to fix things. Man, yeah, there there are some sections in here that, I read through it at first. And of course, man, you know, you want to get through it. But I, and I was like, no, don't stop and highlight. Don't stop and highlight. There's so many things. But this one thing was, this book is about learning the skills and strategies necessary to build your own power and win the fights that matter to you. So that was the first thing that jumped out to me was that, you know, not all my, not all my battles are political. And, I, and so I'm like, okay, this isn't just about politics. This is about life, man. Um, that I think that, that just, like I said, overwhelmingly about this book is activating your voice beyond, beyond just it being a voice that it converts into some actionable thing. And you said it from soup to nuts. How do people find other people that have the willpower? I guess that's the, and, and, and not the desire to just be that person up on the stage. Cause I think we've talked about this is this whole notion that even in the political and the legislative arena, there are other people like you, and, and man, I, I take my hat off to you, Bill, because you were one of the very first. I actually went back and looked at my emails, man. <laughs> All the way back to 2009 was the first time I was like, who's this dude, Bill Wong, in this this whole API uh, peace <laughs> officer thing? And I'm like, okay, Bill Wong. All right, I, I, this is some dude I got to get to know. And you sent hey, let's go have a coffee. So how do you convince people that the simple things like going to have a coffee is, is available to them and it's a process? Yeah, you, you, you have to always be available. Um, I think that that's, again, not just politics, but in life with your family members, your kids, your siblings, is just to make sure that you're available. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. Um, and then you have to have your eyes open for those moments. I remember I sent you that eye patch and said that the one-eyed man in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, I yeah. think that that's you know, we we have this myth that there's these programs that are going to produce these great leaders. But I've always been a fan, and I know that you are a fan of fiction of of finding those hidden gems. There's the person who is the one who doesn't know that they're the one, mm. and I think, you know, you just have to be a little bit like Nick Fury and go out there and find the Avengers. Man, building a team. I yeah. I, I, I salute that, brother. Okay, now this is the other one that, that, that just righteously jumped out to me, man. And, and I'm going to keep jumping back and forth between some of the things that are questions, but also just pieces of this book that I I think resonate 
and and not just with me um but they here they wanted the access and influence that was much easier to acquire by acquiescing to those already in power. Now that goes, it goes further. I highlight, I, I highlighted all the way through that, but that's the piece. Can, can you talk more about that, man? That, yeah. I mean, that, that was one of my favorite sentences I've ever written in my life uh, because I was going through a lot of frustration and I was trying to encapsulate what I was feeling. And I just think that there's just too many people in our world. And this passage was particularly directed at Asian Americans who are just trying to acquire status and who mm. uh, are just trying to climb the, the, you know, the pole of, uh, you know, careers or power or uh, actually more like being power adjacent. And you're just kind of like, <laughs> forgive the term kind of like cling on, you're just clinging on to somebody who you think you're going to you know, benefit from and it doesn't change the community. It doesn't help the community. And most of the, if not all the people that I know that, that take that approach to power are often terrified to speak up or raise their hand in a meeting when they see something that's messed up going on. Man. Yeah. And look, you, you talk throughout this book about vision, about your mission, about your willingness to be selfless. And I'm curious because this book is about you too. If we can be real, bro, if we we can be really real, this is about you and characters and qualities that I see in you that aspire me to 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 man be bolder, to be more aggressive when. And I know the book talks about this, but for those that have not read the book, well, I know we want them to go buy the book too. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. But how did you grasp that, that determination to see a problem and, and, and speak out about it? Um, There's a theory that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I think that Hmm. you spend time with people who are, courageous who stand up and who take on fights you just learn from them so it's not something that came out organically i was heavily influenced by teachers who took risks by trying to teach character in school instead of just math and reading Uh, my high school teachers had a phenomenal impact on me by trying to explain to my entire class aspects of character and ethics and making good decisions and then throughout my life, I've worked with champions who take risks. They're not perfect people. Nobody's perfect people. But there are moments when people show tremendous amounts of character. And then that made me want to study more of the people that you know went out of their way, the, the people that helped the Jews escape Germany, the, the people that um, you know stood up for the different communities, the history of black civil rights and how that affected the trajectory of Asian American civil rights. And you learn that there's this strong through line of each one teach one. It's that nobody got here by themselves and everybody's got a role to play to keep that torch lit. Wow. Wow. And see that flies in the face of this notion. And actually we, I had this conversation um, and it probably runs through almost all of our 
all of our conversations, this false narrative of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm, um, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse, but you, you go to great lengths in this book of acknowledging people that, you know, that, that helped you, that, that guided you, that fortified you. How can more people find a wing, if you will, to help guide them to fly higher? Because I'm gratified by being in the same space with you, Bill, because you have been a mentor to me from long before, <laughs> long before I even realized that I needed one because I walked in believing I thought I had some of this figured out, but I didn't. And and you were very gracious. Well, um, we're mentors to each other. I mean, everybody has value and knowledge and, you know, they, they add a lot of dimensions. And I think it's trying to cultivate that type of mentality that always a student, never a master. And you can mm. learn something from anybody. Um, I was just telling somebody the other day that one of the, the most impactful things I had was that I worked in a restaurant and waiting on tables and you met all people from all walks of life and they all had different perspectives. And sometimes they had bad days. Sometimes they had great days, but you really realize that it's not as simple as the marketing, the, the world's marketing machine wants to make you think it is. And yeah. the world's marketing machine, and this is odd because it's not any one person, but it's just the, the culture is that um, it's about, establishing this zero sum game. It's like the hunger games and your neighbor is your competitor and pit, it pits people against each other and it keeps people distracted and divided. And we as mm. individuals have to push back against that narrative. Absolutely, man. And, and that's, that's another, again, another reason that I am just grateful. Yeah. Grateful for you. It would have been easy for you to go, uh, he, correctional officers <laughs> and, and kept an arm's distance or as my grandmother used to say, a long handle spoon. Um, <laughs> but you didn't. And man, they, I, I think that there is, which is, this is the truly commendable part for me about you is that you spent a phenomenal, and I, I, I think an undisputed successful reign working in the assembly Democrats uh, campaign and political uh, arm, managing that, directing it, guiding it and, and getting some phenomenal people, um, API and others seated, elected. And you could have just walked away, man. You could have, you know, you could have came in, put your feet up, grab a couple books off the shelf and said, that's it. I'm done. But you're still, man, you're still fighting. I mean, you got your, you got your Ronin project. You've got, which we got to get into. <laughs> um, you've, you've got all these other, hell, you, you, you're mentoring me still. Um, and, and I know I'm not the only person that's benefiting from that knowledge that you possess. Why continue to be a warrior? I don't know if it's a choice. I think that once you 
accepted that path, it's your path. You know, it's kind of like I started the chapter, man, got to have a code. Right. And, um, you know, and I, th- and I, and I'm blessed for that. I'm, I'm blessed that I have an anchor. I have a, a, a perspective. Um, it's not always easy to follow this path and there are obviously disappointments and bad days, but, uh, ultimately it's who I am. I have to figure out how to do it efficiently. I have to figure out how to do it, um, so that I can stay effective. I have to spend a lot of time trying not to drink my own Kool-Aid because it's easy and mm. you have to find people that, but that you keep around you that will keep you humble, you know? People such as yourself, people such as my wife, who you know keep me grounded and, and understand what's greater at stake in in this yeah. game. You you talked about this desire, this drive. Is there anything that like literally sits at the foot of your bed and waits for you to wake up every morning, and you go, "Got to get to it." Got it, it, it's sitting in the corner, tapping when you're engaged in other things is is there anything like that for you um almost everything you know i everything reminds me of how important everything is and um you know i always go back to that mark twain quote quote that the two most important days of your life are the day that you're born and the day you find out why and when i wake up in the morning i understand that you know my my journey is just to try to contribute back and that's what gets me up in the morning. Man, giving back. Okay, so giving back. Ronin Project. Come on, man, fill us in. What, 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 what is it? Why? And the name. Let's, let's get into the name, too. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, it all started uh, when we had COVID and there was all these uh, political attacks on Asian Americans and uh, a bunch of uh, Asian American political consultants got together super pissed off. So we decided that we would organize efforts to increase the political power of Asian Americans. So it was just us getting together for that. And we've done various elements, but what we figured out was that we really had to get our community up to speed. So we created the Ronin mm-hmm. Project podcast um, to educate Asian Americans about how politics is done. How do you win races? Um, instead of just talking about what we believe, and that's important, but there's a lot of people doing that, but there's not a lot of people talking about how do you win races? How do you take out politicians that are fundamentally evil or unethical? So that's how that started. And it, the, the name was a spinoff of like the Lincoln Project of basically political consultants that had decided to take on Donald Trump, Republican political consultants who had decided to go against their party. But the Ronin project was designed was was named the Ronins because Ronins are masterless samurai, and some of the greatest warriors in history were, were Ronins. There were samurai skilled warriors who didn't have masters, and as a result of it, they were not um, encumbered by what their masters wanted. They could go out and do good things if they wanted to. And uh, one of the most famous stories about Ronins is the uh, Seven Samurai by Akira Kurosawa which was later made into a Western movie, The Magnificent Seven, based yeah. upon you know these, these warriors that were out there to defend this village that had no money to pay them. And I've always loved that about it because it wasn't about money. It was about honor. It was about skill. It's about doing what was right. And it was about protecting people who couldn't protect themselves. Man. Uh, you see, that's, that's that draw, brother. That's that... <laughs> 
<laughs> that the sense of of recognizing that it's not about you, that it is about community, um, that it is about using the skill sets that you have to benefit other people, man. And I, I dig that about you, Bill. Um, now, why write the book? I, I, I mean, I know you touched on it, but why write? Why and 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 let's get back to the name too. I, I know it's in the book, and I, and I really, really do want people to go buy this book. Yeah, but, but let's do this. How long was it? Number one. After Damn. time, basically every sale uh, makes it is less important as time goes on. But yeah, for four weeks it was in the number one uh, that's, ranking. That's dope. Yeah. That's dope. <laughs> now. Okay, so why write the book? Why why was it important to share that the knowledge, the experience? What what was it about that that that's valuable to you, but also to valuable to other people to absorb? <laughs> uh, it, it goes back to you know watching too many kung fu movies when I was young. Um, I really felt like after thirty years that you don't know what the future is and you know me yelling from my porch is not going to do it. So I really felt that I needed to curate that perspective and curate some of the secret techniques like my, you know, it's like my Shaolin manual that I'm just gonna leave in a cave somewhere that hopefully somebody will find and then they'll go and, you know, save the kingdom or something like that. But put it in a form where it can be more easily shared, have a wider distribution and share a perspective that you can actually make a difference because I really felt like when I retired after 30 years that there was a certain level of, of resigned hopelessness. Like they were just going to go yell mm -hmm. on Twitter and then go home and be pissed off about things. And I really wanted to leave some type of remnants of a uh, game plan to say, yeah, you can still do this. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not a foregone conclusion that you can't take on forces that are hundred times more powerful than you are and, and come out ahead. It takes a lot of skill. It takes a lot of planning and takes a lot of courage, but you can do it. And it's not hopeless. Uh, it's not certainly not easy, but it's not hopeless. Wow. Okay. Let's, let's talk about this hopelessness. I feel that more minorities are coming into the process of our legislature of governance, if you will. Yeah. Governance. But why doesn't it, or what is it about today that that doesn't buoy the the perception of of hope of believing that we that we're making progress? I know that's a weird, a not question question, but because it does, I do recognize that there does seem to be this specter of hopelessness floating kind of centered over Florida, but <laughs> no, you're 100% right. You're, you're 100% right. And what it comes to and what people need to, I think, acknowledge is that our entire world, as we know it, our society, American society is based upon superficiality. So when they mm -hmm. see a politician say something and then nothing changes in their neighborhood. They said that sounded good, but 
it didn't change anything for me. And I see this as, as a Democratic consultant. I was very frustrated. They would say stuff and then you would not see it on the ground and yeah. people wouldn't feel it because there was no follow through. And that's because politicians are designed to say the right thing, but they're really not trained to follow through on whether or not stuff got fixed. For mm. example, legislators pass a law. There's really no follow through on whether or not that law was implemented. We've, we've implemented a number of laws, and they've been circumvented on the implementation level. Um, and not just them, but staff and the entire system is designed to create a veneer of having done something. But what the ultimate test is, is does your neighbor feel it? Do they feel like something has changed that has made their lives better or give them some type of faith that the government is not completely messed up? or slanted in favor of those who have power and who have money. And I don't think that that exists out there. We can say all the right things. We could have politicians that come from all the right schools, have all the right yeah. credentials. But yeah. if your neighbor is not feeling it, if your friends and family are not feeling it on you know, their, their paycheck or their grocery bill, then that says something is wrong and we need to address that. Man. Bill, you are, you are literally preaching to your choir, brother. <laughs> I, I, because I'm, I, you know, I'm frustrated with our criminal justice system. Um, I'm obviously grateful that it has, you know, supplied the the resources for me to, you know, live the life that I live. And, but I think there's a, an unequivalent exchange in that, that politicians, that, uh, directors, that, that agencies are extracting from humanity of people a greater amount than it's returning. And I'm taking your lead. I'm 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 not just gonna sit and keep tweeting about it. Actually, I don't tweet that often. I may, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I see some of your stuff and and I'll retweet it. Um, and that's why I that's the other reason I found better to win so valuable is that it it does feel like a a roadmap, a game, a, a game plan for you know getting getting out of this chair and connecting with people beyond you that are, that are, I, I think are brilliant. Um, I actually went yesterday and saw the pause for life, um, program out at CMF. And, you know, these men, yeah, they, they've done wrong. They've and, and they're there to pay their penance, which, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but they're, they're training these dogs as service animals for veterans, for first responders, for people. They're training, you know, people's pets, and, you know, the dogs that just can't quite make it. And I, so I say all that to say is reaching out beyond the comfort of your house is I salute you that you are continuing to educate people about how to take some action in the the thing that they find discomfort about. Um, yeah, I think the, the important thing is that I wanted to really convey is that you don't have to 
go out there and do some spectacularly, you know, large thing. Life is a game of inches and those little things, those little days that you did that one thing can have a tremendous trajectory on somebody's life. I write about how one football player's action just changed my trajectory in life so tremendously by just how he led by example. And he didn't do it in a fancy way. He he just made a quiet apology and it had so much impact on me that, you know, 45 years later, I'm still impacted by it. And, you know, and he didn't even know I was like watching him. So, you know, it's those types of things that people have such tremendous impact on the, the world around them that to not just get overwhelmed by how horrible the news is, but to go out there and do like one good thing a day, even if it's a tiny little thing, like help your neighbor go take her garbage in or something like that. It's it that that's what makes our society great. That's what makes the, the world, you know, a better place, not, you know, some grand press conference about some, you know, multinational deal that's out there. It's, it's the little things that, that really matter in our world. Man, on that, can I read the, um, well, I'll read this out of the book. It is a call for APIs to get good enough at the game of politics to meaningfully contribute to the fight for social justice and equity for all oppressed people of color and marginalized communities. Leave your pom-poms and bullhorn at home. Bring your sword and shield instead. Dude, that get I I was literally I was like, oh, that gave me chills, dude. <laughs> Bill, that is the it's not the dopest thing in there, but it is one of the most compelling statements I've ever heard about the power of community about you know, getting off your ass, if you will, and standing up for what you know is what you see is wrong, what you know fundamentally is wrong. So, brother, I, I'm man, the podcast, you gave us the impetus for it. We could talk. Who do you bring in and, and what do you, what do you, what are you trying to get people to, uh, to absorb out of that? <laughs> uh, I, I bring in like elected officials, some of them, not all of them, but mainly I bring in a lot of actual practitioners that are out there um, who are, you know, they're digital strategists or they're field strategists or they're um, community organizers or they're fundraisers. Um, and, and I will admit to this on the show. This is my surreptitious way of going out there and scouting talent uh, of people uh-huh. who want to get in the fight. Because everybody wants to be on a podcast, I get to talk to them and say, "Oh, this person's got some talent, and they they believe in the right thing." So you know, put them in like you know, uh, my little shelf is like, okay, well, you know, when when a disaster occurs, this person is is the right person. You know, I was always a fan of a fan fan of these these uh, comic books where it's kind of like you know the 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 leader says, "Oh, we need these five people." to, to, you know, to, to do this thing. Right. And then, you know, they, they know all these five people from all different countries or whatever, but they're all specialists in their thing. And then, you know, it's a, it's a little bit like Ocean's Eleven, I guess, you know, but it gives me an opportunity to meet all of the people that are in our world that have like really great skills and are true believers with regard to, you know, trying to help the world move forward. See again, Bill, I dig that. I, I, I love the idea of recognizing talent 
and elevating it and putting a light on it. Um, especially for people that, that that's not what they're looking for. That's, that's the coolest part to me. Um, again, I got to give you accolades for, I don't know. People will see the clip of me and what's behind me. I, I, you have, I, I have to acknowledge that Bill came when we were trying to get this mess set up. And I mean, he just cut, he cut through it like a laser about how to organize this, how to put it, you know, in, in some, cause I'm not a linear person. If you guys haven't figured that out by listening now, <laughs> but Bill just cut through it and the process of how all of this wonderful insanity is, is in here. All, all belongs to Bill. So, and for those of you that can't see, we're talking about comic books. I, that's one of the common threads that Bill and I, and I think probably it contributes to this notion, if you will, or this, this determinants of helping other people that you were not in this fight alone. Um, and, and that when you have that power, that it should be for the greater good. It should be helping other people. Well, you know, with great respons- with great power comes great responsibility, right? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Uncle Ben. <laughs> uh, um, are you as geeked out about the fact that comic books now are on big screens or on small screens that, you know, that it's part of kind of this pop culture. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and also thank God for technology because as you know, when we were growing up, things look really cringy with like spandex uh, tights and things like that. Like at least now things look pretty legit. And uh, it's, it's, uh, I think it's super helpful to have the perspective of, you know, that, hero's journey um mm. the the battle between good and evil and, and and i don't know if uh look after after uh black panther came out that that changed people's trajectory not just from a hero standpoint but the number of uh you know black women who have decided to take on careers in science and math and you know because of shuri um after uh captain marvel uh, there was a 40 percent increase in women um, applying for the Air Force Academy. I mean, those stories have such tremendous impact, like day-to-day impact on the trajectory of society. And those stories are important and it gives us grounding and it gives us perspective and um, it gives us a narrative that that we can believe in. Man, look, look, Bill, your narrative is something we can believe in. I don't offer that as false praise, man. You are... You are a gentleman. You are a scholar. You are an honorable man, and and a hell of a warrior. <laughs> we got. We can't. We we cannot leave this without acknowledging that I would not want to be on the other side of any engagement with you on the other side. I, I I'm grateful for the opportunity to sit in space and to, and to be a friend of Bill Wong 
Well, I mean, your passion and and your leadership is also an inspiration to me as well. So, I mean, it's 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 shared. Thank you, brother. Hey, and with that, look, I know Lena is like, all right, you guys got to wrap it up. Um, (laughs) So closing this out, man, we like to leave people or give you an opportunity. If there is a quote, a book, a speech that has. It, you know, when you heard it, it just, it, it has literally seeded itself in you. And it's something that just continuously resonates with you that you'd like to share. I think the quote that sticks with me the most is that, and I don't remember who's, who said this, but if you succeed without suffering is because others have suffered before you. And if you suffer without succeeding, it is so that others can succeed after you. Oh, damn. That's, I dig that. Okay, I'm gonna have to find that one. <laughs> All right. So now, if you were listening to this episode in in everything that we've talked about, is there a soundtrack that you uh, you know that you would apply to this um, that you think would be great in the background of this conversation? Oh. I don't know. It would, it would, it would, it, you know, this sounds awfully corny, but it's probably the, the, the Batman from like the 1960s, <laughs> the, the, the TV show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Good deal. Good deal. All right. So in the final thing, man, how can people connect with you? How can they find out more about the Ronin project, about Bill Wong? Um, how can they find better to win? Uh, they can either follow me on Twitter at Bill Wong LLC, or they can go to my website at www.billwongllc.com, or they can go to the book's website, www.bettertowin.com. All right. Fantastic. Thank you for being here, brother. I appreciate your time, your intellect, your your compassion, and and, and, and passion for sharing and community. Well, I appreciate you and all your leadership that you're bringing to this space. Okay, fam, that's the end of this session of Reason 55. I hope you absorbed something inspiring, something insightful. And we got to thank our man, Bill Wong, for stopping by again. Thank you for the drop in, brother. And to the family that helped inform this conversation, thank you. And of course, to the family that's listening, can't do it without you. But We also can't bounce without acknowledging that this house is maintained by my man, J.C. Polk, our producer, by Lena Alvarez, our associate producer. Much love to both of you. And of course, our sponsor, Olas Media. Look, for this and other episodes of Reason 55, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and olasmedia.com. If you're listening on Apple, leave us a review. It helps elevate us and share these insights and others with other people. This conversations are absolutely a community collaboration. So I want to hear from you. So please send comments, questions, concerns, sponsorship offers to Steph B at Reason55.com. Much love, fam, and I'll see you next time. This is your boy, Steph. I'm out. Hi, this is Bill Wong, and this is Reason 55 with Steph B. 
Reason 55 with Steph B is produced at the IVC Media Lab in San Diego, California. If you have story ideas, special guests, or general comments, send an email to StephB at Reason55.com. That's StephB, as in boy, at Reason55.com. To hear additional episodes, visit OldestMedia.com. On behalf of Steph B, I'm J.C. Polk, and we thank you for listening. Olas Media.